back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Stuff Albiero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom, Alex Lott, cranking out the stardom sit-ums on the channel, coming off an incredible week two. Let's go. Dude, we're back. And the thing is, like, we've been cranking the start sits. We've had some fun live streams. The Discord has been popping off. It's in the link below, by the way. Popping Free to off. join, amazing community. Steph and I are in there talking start sits, talking trades, reviewing rosters, taking victory laps, you know, crying when our teams lose, all that <laughs> stuff. We're in it with y'all. So we're in there. It's the best way to communicate with us. So be sure to join if you haven't, first of all. But the big thing I want to say today, like we're back to player takes. We've been grinding out the in-season content, if you will. But Steph and I kind of stepped back and said, we have the most fun when we're on this pod together, when we're just hanging out and we're just talking about players, talking about what's going on in the league. So that's what we're getting into today. You're going to hear a lot more of that from us moving forward. The other stuff's not going away. It's double content season for you guys. Let's go. As we're rolling rolling through into week three and things like that. But we got some great topics today. We're talking buy lows. We're talking breakouts. We're talking guys we might be panicking on it's gonna be a blast <laughs> Steph you you just picked up one of these guys in a blockbuster trade can't wait to talk about that live on oh, the here we here. go I'm ready let's start this episode by talking about some of those buy low running backs it's one of the most common topics we're looking at this time of year we're two weeks into the season the sample size is small so if you can find those stud running backs who are down or have some question marks you can capitalize on some of that doubt especially in teams that are tilting and let's go ahead and just say the trade I made in our home league, I did acquire Ezekiel Elliott. He is the number one buy low for me because I think you can buy low on him. But here's the thing I want to say. People think if you say that, that I'm implying that Zeke has to be a top five running back. And I don't think that necessarily is the case. Alex, you ready to just jump into Pollard versus Zeke? Because I think that's the topic everyone wants to hear about right now. Yeah, let's talk about it. Zeke is that by low. And just so the people know, you acquired him. Essentially, it, essentially it was Zeke for Calvin Ridley. Um, they were Dak and Josh Allen were involved, but that's that's close to me. So essentially think about this as Zeke for Calvin Ridley. You were a zero running back build, and you were able to pick up the, the stud running back in this trade. Pivot season. And I, I think it was a fair trade for both sides. If you have Zeke and he's concerning to you, pick up a stud receiver in Calvin Ridley, who I have my own concerns about. But for you, like I love the the pickup of Zeke. We'll talk about him here and the breakdown of the split between him and Tony Pollard. And one thing I love about Zeke, I mean, week one, 11 carries, two targets. Week two, 16 carries and two targets. So even when Pollard has been being used more on the field, we're seeing the explosive plays from him. Zeke, in his own right, is still getting touches in this offense. Week one, they a really pivoted it away from the run game as a whole. So I'm not, you know, I'm not holding week one against him because the game plan was to throw the ball against a stout uh, Bucks front seven. So the touches to me alone that Zeke is getting, especially in week two, 16 carries, two targets. I love to see that. And for me, that still makes him one of those top 10, top 12 running backs at a minimum that you can lock into that RB1 spot. And Zeke just turned 26 years old. I know he's passed the AJ Pegs, that 25-year-old point for running backs, but... You, you hit the nail on the head with me for Zeke. He's still getting volume in a very boomy offense that's going to be in a lot of great matchups that cross over with the AFC West. We know the NFC mm -hmm. East, or at least we think. I know some of the defenses are getting better, including Dallas's, at least better than we thought 
before the season began. But if you look at just the snaps alone, and this doesn't have to be efficient volume for Zeke for him to deliver. He can be a guy who's giving you 4.3 yards per carry, but he's getting 250 carries on the season. He's putting close to double-digit touchdown up on the board. I think he will have games, especially in these boat races against Kansas City that they're going to be getting into against maybe even Monday night here against the Eagles. There are going to be games where Ezekiel Elliott gets peppered in the passing game. Oh, yeah. Pollard snap share, and I actually do expect him to ascend as well. It's almost like, can both of these guys ascend? I'm saying more so that Zeke can maintain his floor or increase it slightly, whereas Pollard can continue to build. I think Pollard, if you look at his snap share, 24% in week one, 34% in week two. He's still not even passing a 50-50 splitter anywhere near it. So I view this as like a very high-value Tampa Bay situation or Arizona Cardinal situation where there's an early down. Dude, we might be entering we might be entering a Cleveland Brown situation. Maybe yeah. a light version of that with uh Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt because Pollard has been used a lot on the field with Zeke at the same time, like in the slot, things like that with Gallup out, Cooper now a little bit banged up. I think we're gonna see these guys out there at the same time. Great, great call out there. Low that's like the high end comp of where this offense could go. Yes. The peak version of that being that Camara Ingram year where they were both top fifteen running backs in fantasy football. I'm not expecting that from this offense. And we thought Jacksonville could have that backfield with Hyde and Robinson. That's not happening. (laughs) But Ezekiel Elliott is is definitely a guy that you have to go. If you want to just pivot your roster, right? In my situation, it was zero RB. I had to go and make a move and get a guy that I still believe should have been taken on the first round in fantasy football drafts. I'm willing to go and make that deal. I'm willing to make that pivot and sell a second round wide receiver like Calvin Ridley, I'm sure other guys in this range, DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown. Go see if you can sell one of those guys, pair them with a with a with a depth name like a Melvin Gordon, see if you can pivot on a buy low. Yeah, and the thing about Zeke, to your point, it's like the the person in your league that drafted Zeke probably had sky high expectations. So even though the snaps are there, even though the carries are getting there, even though he has a, a decent outlook moving forward, they were expecting a top five running back. So if they're not getting that, they're bailing because the expectations aren't going to be met. But if you're still getting that top 10, top 12 guy, we can still like Zeke and like Pollard as well. So if you have the opportunity to get either of these guys, like if, if Pollard is on waivers, oh my gosh, go pick him up immediately. <laughs> um, and if someone has Pollard, I'm willing to shoot an offer for him. Even, you know, I, I made an offer today. I actually offered out Melvin Gordon for Tony Pollard in a trade. And it's like, because I think Pollard has the upside. Gordon's like my RB4 on a roster. And I think Pollard has that ceiling. It's one of those situations where he has the standalone value. He's entering that flex territory with some upside. And of course, we have to say it, if Zeke was to ever miss a game for any reason whatsoever, Pollard is an absolute smash must start. So, But let's cap this thing off in this Cowboys backfield. If you had to go ahead and build seasonal rankings right now, where would you put Zeke? Where would you put Pollard? For me, Pollard's a low-end RB2. Zeke, a low-end RB1. I'm curious what you think of that. Yeah, I'm with you. Zeke would probably, you know, I don't have everyone's name up in front of me, but Zeke would probably land in that running back 8 to 10 range. um, And Pollard would be probably somewhere 22 to 26. Love it. love, it. And that's exactly where Kareem Hunt is. And that's exactly where Nick Chubb is in these drafts right now. So love the comp there for Cleveland. But let's move on to Miles Sanders. Alex, I'm here, curious to hear your thoughts on Sanders. Is he a guy that you should be acquiring? And if so, what is the value you're putting on him right now? Yeah, I think he's definitely a buy low. And Steph, you know that I've been 
kind of lower on Sanders than consensus. I know you've been high on him throughout the offseason. Now we see him have a really bad week from a fantasy perspective in week two, only 6.9 PPR fantasy points. Kenny Gainwell is getting involved. People are getting a little bit concerned. The Eagles just had a dud of a week. So to me, I think this is a perfect opportunity to buy Sanders because we never really thought he was going to be the absolute bell cow workhorse. That's not what he's been. But what he has been through two weeks is encouraging to me, and it's more volume than I thought he would get. He's seeing two-thirds of the snaps, 66% in week one, 67% in week two. And through those two weeks, he's averaging 14 carries and three and a half targets per game. So if you're giving me a running back on a high upside offense with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, who's getting those touches, the 14 carries on the ground is tremendous. Um, And I like the pass volume for Sanders as well. I think that's an absolutely perfect RB2 for your roster. So yes, with the Eagles, there could be some volatility. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but I do like the upside that's there. So if I can lock in Sanders as an RB2 and I can get him uh, for a value right now coming off of a bad game, he is definitely someone I'm more than willing to go ahead and invest in for the rest of the season. So in that same league where I went out and acquired Zeke, I was also made an offer for Miles Sanders. Again, remember, I'm zero RB. I'm sweating. This is a deep 14-team keeper league. And I was offered Ridley for Sanders straight up. And I said no, because I do think that tier of Ridley, Keenan, Cooper, you know, even, of course, we know Mm -hmm. Adams, Tyreek, Diggs, even going down to like Cup, Lockett, I'm not willing to necessarily move those guys yet, just because from a points perspective, I think those guys are going to put more points up on the season compared to Miles Sanders, but I think Sanders will have a very high floor because of the touches that he's getting in this offense, and the fact that he's always been an efficient player as a running back, you know I love the mold that Miles Sanders fits into. That's why I love DeAndre Swift. That's why I love Travis Etienne. That's why I love Aaron Jones. That's why I love Alvin Kamara. It's these guys that are not necessarily getting 20 carries. They're getting six plus receptions in the right game script. We saw in week one, Miles Sanders getting five targets. Unfortunately, the wheels fell off in week two against San Francisco. It's going to happen in this Eagles offense. That's super raw with young, young players. You got to remember Jalen Regor is in his second year. Devontae Smith as a rookie as their two main outside receivers. And then, of course, Jalen Hurts, who is also raw as a player still. I like what I'm seeing from Jalen Hurts. I think we all do. And that gets me more excited for the offense, but you know this is going to happen at times. That's why there is a cap ceiling for Miles Sanders. Even though he might have the volume of an Aaron Jones, he's not going to give you the 41-point week like Aaron Jones will just because of the offense that he's on. But all that being said, he is getting the high-value touches. He is an electric producer. And if you look at his yardage totals, if you look at his yards from scrimmage, he's already averaging 80 total yards per game. So that's, that's perfect volume to me for him to be an electric RB2 have some boom games, and have that high floor. Wait, 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 Alex. I have to stop the show because I'm dumb hyped over this new sponsorship deal we got. Shout out to our guys over at Manscaped. And look, I was skeptical, but Alex, you know I've been a very hairy guy for a long time. I was the kid at 13 years old in middle school. Oh, yeah. With chest hair shown out of the polo shirt. Like, I was that I dude. Was, I, I was jealous at the time. <laughs> I was jealous at the time. Well, <laughs> nothing to be jealous over anymore because ever since I got this lawnmower 4.0 from them, it's been clean down there to say the least. Manscaped has the lawnmower 4.0. Not the one, not the two, not the three, but the 4.0. Talk about sleepers on our show. And this has to be one of the best sleeper products out there. I was skeptical as well, and it's been an absolute 
game changer. Check out Manscaped. This thing is legit, and you will definitely not be disappointed um, by this full body trimmer. It's incredible. So Manscaped was nice enough to give us a 20% off discount code for the Double Move Sports viewers. You can get 20% off and free shipping with code DMS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code DMS, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now back to the show. Let's talk about another one. I think this one is, is, it's almost like the fantasy community knows that he's a buy low to the point where you really can't get him in a lot of leagues, at least from my experience. Antonio Gibson right now. We saw him in that split with J.D. McKissick. It was absolutely brutal for Gibson owners like myself seeing J.D. McKissick come in in the red zone and take carries and score that touchdown. I'm not sweating on Gibson at all, and I think a lot of folks are like me, and so they're not selling Gibson. But is he a guy that we should be acquiring if we can? 100%, and he is like Miles Sanders plus. One of these guys that... I mean, I think Miles Sanders, it's a different situation, but I think workload-wise, it's going to be really similar. Both are getting around two-thirds of the snaps right now. Both have a pass-catching running back behind them. I think a lot of uh, disgruntled fantasy managers will tell you that J.D. McKissick is much more of a threat than Kenny Gainwell, but I don't necessarily know that to be true season long. We'll see how that shakes out with Heineken. Hey, we loved Gainwell as a prospect. He's a good player. He's electric. Absolutely. So I think he's going to keep coming on. But Gibson, I mean, you look at what he's done this season, and he just hasn't had the big fantasy, you know, high-value touches. He had 20 carries in week one. I mean, 20 carries from a running back in fantasy. Already a tremendous value, even if you're not efficient with it. But the thing is, four and a half yards per carry. That's fantastic. In week two, he saw 13 carries, 5.3 yards per carry. He's seen seven targets through two weeks. So he is still getting a little bit of involvement in the passing game. I think what we have to realize with Gibson at this point is that the upside we were hoping for, the the second breakout, the, the breakout instead of being a low end RB1, can he take it to a top five level? Probably isn't going to happen this year as long as J.D. McKissick is there. He's going to be involved. He's going to get receptions. But if you look at the workload Gibson's getting, you have to believe that there are better days ahead from a fantasy perspective. Hasn't scored a touchdown yet this season. I expect that to change. Hasn't really converted the targets that he's seeing into, you know, high um, fantasy football numbers through two weeks. But we know he was a wide receiver in college. So, like, he has the chops to get it done in the passing game. I think Heineke could restrict Gibson's upside a little bit. But honestly, after what we saw from Heineke in that Thursday night football game, who knows? He might be just fine for this offense. And we all know Gibson didn't necessarily have um, an MVP-level quarterback back there last season when he was super effective. So I'm going to chase the volume and the talent here with Antonio Gibson. I'm not going to let two weeks get me down. Um, So if I have a chance to acquire him, I'd definitely take him above Miles Sanders. Now, they play Buffalo this week. We've actually had a lot of start-sick questions already about Gibson I'm rolling. If I have Gibson on my roster, I would have to have an absolute super team to not be rolling him out there this week. I expect him to be fine this week. But if for whatever reason he has yet another tough game, but the volume's still there, I'm going to be buying low on him again as we head into week four. So Gibson's on my radar for sure. If I had to rank the three guys we covered so far, Zeke would be the highest for me, followed by Gibson with Miles Sanders, number three. Steph, what's your take on Gibson? Are you worried about McKissick? Week one, pretty much no involvement at all. 
And then week two, we saw him have the bigger game of the two backs. Only six targets through the air, though, and he just made the most of them. So what's your take on McKissick? Like you look at his volume, it's still absolutely atrocious. He is still just a checkdown machine. He is just like a James White from last year. He had that 20-point outing. Before that, though, didn't even have a single fantasy point. Had one carry for eight yards, one target he didn't bring down. In week two, where he did have 20 points, he only had four carries. He did get the six targets, which made him valuable. I think from a game script perspective, you want to see the Washington football team competing a little bit more. So Gibson just gets more touches because we know he's efficient. We know he can score touchdowns. He can be used in the passing game, but you want him on the field a little bit more. The snapshot from McKissick, though, also didn't really bother me. I'd be more worried about Kenny Gainwell, who's ascending, who we thought was an electric playmaker and a great prospect, who's already getting used in the red zone as a rookie, compared to J.D. McKissick, who's an undrafted free agent at 28 years old. I'm less scared of McKissick. And certainly there is going to continue to be a split backfield situation. But I'm still very high on Gibson. I think he's still in that Mixon, Najee Harris tier, which is why I'm buying him. And I know Mixon, you know, he's had that 25-point outing in week one where he scored the touchdown, had four targets. Najee Harris just had his essentially first breakout game with 10 carries, but then caught all five of his targets, had the touchdown. The touchdown is coming for Antonio Gibson, and that pass-catching volume is going to stay the same. We know he's going to be taking the majority of carries on the ground. So I love the volume. I love the opportunity. We both love the talent on Gibson. I am still buying everywhere I can, especially in dynasty leagues right now. Well, let's keep this here. I mean, we're going through all the NFC East running backs. I just realized that. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> now we're talking about Saquon Barkley. Man, I, I think I'll just get straight to the to the point. I, I think you guys just have to taper expectations. He's going to continually be turned on and it might be until week eight by the time you get the Saquon that you wanted, but I still think it's in there. Yeah, Saquon... I'm buying. I'm buying Saquon hard. I think I'd be buying Saquon. You're not going to agree with me on this one, but I think I'd be close to to buying him at the same level that I'm going after Zeke this week. And, and I know Whoa. there's more. I know. I know there's more risk involved there. But just hear me out on this one, Steph. So through two weeks, it's been a drastically different story between week one and two for Saquon. In week one, only 48% of snaps, 10 carries, three targets. Week two, only 13 carries, three targets, but the snap count jumped up to 84% in week two. I mean, he was out there for most of this game. That's the snapshot we're used to seeing Saquon get, and this is against a tough Washington football team front, very tough matchup, a pass-happy game for Danny Dimes. He's really pushing the ball down the field in this one. And running as well. Yeah, exactly. Danny Dimes, new RB1 for the Giants, who knew, but... That snap count for Saquon coming off of four days rest is really encouraging. Now he gets 10 days rest before week three, really gets to see how that knee has been responding. And in week three, the Giants get the Atlanta Falcons. So this could be an absolute explosion week for Saquon. If he can get 15 carries and four or five targets in this game, I think he's a good bet to get into the end zone. And I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see Saquon put up a 20-plus point performance in Week 3. And at that point, the ship is going to have sailed on buying low on Saquon Barkley. Now, I get the perspective that's like, look, I'm worried about him. The person who has him is still asking for a pretty hefty price for that name value, so I don't want to pay up for that risk. I get it. But if you're in a league where someone's tilting off Saquon two bad weeks, 
they're worried about the injury. They're not really reading between the lines here and seeing what's going on in New York. I'm still willing to go all in on Saquon. I will say this. I agree with you in the sense that I think you do still have to taper expectations. It's similar to a Zeke scenario in a way where you drafted him to be a top five running back. You might not get that this year. You might only get a top 10 running back, but that's still fine. And if you can get him for like RB2 value or, or better, then by all means, that's a bet I'm willing to take. Let me challenge some of the values here because I thought I was high on Saquon. I thought I was going to be way higher than consensus, but I feel like you're even higher than me. Would you move a guy like Chris Carson and maybe a, a piece wide receiver like a Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick, honestly, and pair them with Chris Carson and go and get Saquon? Well, yeah, I was going to say Cortland Sutton is a little more than a piece, so I wouldn't do it with him, but I would do it with a Tim Patrick for sure. If I can move one of those tier two running backs, a, a Chris Carson, a Josh Jacobs type of guy, um, and a flex name at the wide receiver spot. Those are the types of trades I'd be looking at making for Saquon. Yeah, I think we're we're pretty in line with the value on Saquon right now. And again, it may not be another couple weeks till he does fully get onboarded. His he's gotten three targets in both week one and week two, which is encouraging. But we're used to him seeing that seven to eight range in his game logs. I still think we're going to see those this year. Mm-hmm. And how often is Danny Dimes going to run nine times in a game? That is his game high that he's ever had in his career. He's only done it twice last year. I, if all nine of those carries or even half of them went to Saquon Barkley, now his volume looks a lot better on paper. If one of those breaks off, then you're extremely happy with Saquon. Everyone's like, he's back. If one of those happens to be a touchdown, even better. Better days are ahead for Saquon Barkley, no doubt about it, but it may not be till, you know, week seven. I think it's this week. I think it's this week. We'll see. You think it's Atlanta on week three? I do. Love it. And I'm more in the, you know, week five against Dallas, maybe in week seven against Carolina range, but either way, we're expecting things to improve. So go out and get Saquon. But let's talk about Clyde edwards Lair. Now in... Low-end RB2 range that I think for a lot of us, the the ceiling has kind of fallen out from above CEH. I just don't think it's going to happen for no other reason than he's not getting target volume in this offense. That was the reason why we like CEH. That's why we put him initially, right, when he came into the NFL in the same range of some of the guys like Miles Sanders, some of the guys like Antonio Gibson after his rookie season is because we expected him to see that check down volume, but Mahomes is not checking the ball down. He's coming off a game with zero targets where he played 65% of snaps in a shootout against Baltimore. Game before that against Cleveland had three targets, but even last year he wasn't getting, like, yeah, he had one game with, uh, one or two games actually with eight targets. Other than that, he's getting one or two a game. And when that happens and he doesn't get the touchdown, the floor falls out from Clyde Edwards-Alaire because he's not doing it on the ground. Right now, He's not even averaging four yards per carry. He was averaging three yards a carry on 14 carries in week one. Granted, it was against Cleveland. That's a tough front. And then in week two against Baltimore, also a tough front, but 13 carries, 3.5 yards per carry. He's not putting up the yardage. He's not getting the target volume. And honestly, he's not getting the touchdown. He has not scored a single touchdown this season. So all the reasons we like CEH are not coming into fruition as often as we would like them to, which for me means the ceiling It's just not there. Now, can he still be a fine RB2 for the rest of the season, which is where you probably took him? Yes, I think he will have better days. He will have pop weeks. He will have those times, just like last year, where he does have a touchdown or two in this electric offense. But I think you're going to see more of what you saw from CEH as a rookie 
and he's not necessarily going to take that next step to be in that RB1 category. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, of all the guys we've talked about so far, Zeke, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, Saquon Barkley, CEH is the first one on this list that I don't really think I'm trying to target in trades at all because the the buy low, you know, buying this dip, I think he's going to stay in that dip. And that dip is just being a low end running back too because of all the reasons you outlined. And I think the target volume is just so concerning for him. And the touchdown efficiency is concerning as well because coming out of his rookie year, the optimism around CEH was only five touchdowns as a rookie. We're going to see that you know positive regression back to a higher touchdown total and a high volume offense. But it really hasn't been the case through two weeks. You look at Daryl Williams coming in, getting three carries for negative two yards and a touchdown in week two. That's just absolutely killer if they're going to be bringing him in randomly at the goal line. And this is kind of getting down narrative street with, you know, some of the target volume, but I almost wonder if we've over uh, glamorized in a way this Chiefs running back spot. Cause I remember back in the hunt days, even when Damian Williams had, has had his time in the sun there, it was effectiveness on the ground. It was effectiveness through the air. There was a great stretch for these Kansas city running backs with the same, you know, still under Andy Reed, but this, this is the, where the narrative comes in. I almost wonder if Mahomes as good as he's been for his entire career, was really relying on the system, was really relying on using the running back out of the backfield, was really relying on taking what was given to him early in his career as he made his way to be an MVP, as he made his way to be a Super Bowl champ. And I wonder if now Mahomes has so much supreme confidence in the offense, in the system, in his ability, where they're drawing up plays where he can look at his first read, Tyreek Hill not there, look at his second read, Travis Kelsey not there. And where 99% of quarterbacks would check down to the running back, Patrick Mahomes can turn around, scramble around, do something ridiculous and make a remarkable play to Mikkel Hardman on the backside for a touchdown. I almost wonder if Mahomes is such a big play guy that just wants that home run. We know that's what he is, and he gets it most of the time. I'm almost wondering if part of that mindset with Patrick Mahomes is taking away from the running back checkdowns. And that's a narrative. I don't have numbers in front of me to back that up. But that could be contributing to it. And I do certainly think CEH will have better days ahead from a receiving perspective. But to your point, Steph, I think the hope for him being a top 12 running back might be out the window at this point for 2021. So let's stay in this RB2 range. Let's talk about the other super high-powered offense in the NFL that's in that top one or two. And it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's Leonard Fournette. You know, this has been a guy that I've loved for a very long time. <laughs> I saw you sneak Leonard Fournette on the list with Zeke, Antonio Gibson, <laughs> Saquon Barkley. I was like, why is Leonard Fournette on this list? I will but, tell you. I will hey, tell you, gotta, you why. You got to respect what he's doing so far this year. You're absolutely right. I will tell you why. Because he was a value in drafts. You were getting him yep. in the eighth round, ninth round. And he looks like this year he's going to continue to be an RB2 with a pretty high floor because of the target volume that he's getting in an offense that likes to pass a ton. Contrary to Mahomes, Tom Brady will take what the defense gives him. We know that at this point for how long he's played and how he's still continuing to do it. Seven targets to Leonard Fournette, more than Mike Evans in this offense in week one against Dallas in that shootout. And then week two in a game that really they didn't need to, to do much. They put away Atlanta quickly. Saw four targets, caught four of them for 26 yards, had another 11 carries for 52 yards on the ground. That is a 10-point fantasy floor that he is going to see consistently, and we know the touchdowns are going to be there for the taking in this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Are they going to come around that often? Probably not when you have the weapons like 
shoot, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. So for Fournette, he's definitely not going to be a guy who pops every single week. He does not have what I believe Ezekiel Elliott has from an upside perspective. He does not have that Saquon or Antonio Gibson upside just because he doesn't need to be as relied upon in this offense as a guy like Zeke or Gibson or Saquon will be. And so that's where the cap ceiling is. But everything else about Leonard Fournette, it's almost like funny now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Leonard Fournette, at the end of the day, really aren't that different from a fantasy scoring perspective, which sounds crazy to say. Yeah, I got to give you some respect for this one. And I will say the bigger part of the Rojo Fournette debate was in 2020. We've definitely talked about him less coming into 2021, but I'll concede like Fournette's the guy in the Tampa Bay backfield. Ronald Jones has been relegated to dust, it seems. He, he seems like he's still in the doghouse. And he was out there a little bit in week two, but it's clear to me that Fournette, with how this op- offense is operating right now, is the 1A. And like Rojo and Giovanni Bernard are the, the 2A and the 2B because Fournette's been involved. He's been getting the carries on the ground. He's been getting the targets through the air. And the reason I think we have him on, on kind of this buy low running back list discussion is because I still think you can get him at a great value. People are thinking about Leonard Fournette. They think about the nebulous Tampa Bay backfield. They might think that what we've seen from him so far is an anomaly. And to your point, like he hasn't had the touchdown, so he hasn't had huge fantasy performances. And if you went zero running back, if you had a J.K. Dobbins, if you had a Gus Edwards and you're battling injury at the running back spot and you need an RB2, you need a plug-in guy, Leonard Fournette's the kind of guy I would be targeting in a trade. Get him very cheap throw him in, slide him into your lineup as that RB2, and he's going to give you some production, especially with the volume he's been getting in the passing game. So I'm fine to throw out some of those wide receiver, you know, deep wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three type names. Pick up a guy like Leonard Fournette if you have a need at running back, and I think he's going to be fine for your roster. Has a tough matchup against the Rams, but in a game that should shoot out, I'm still plugging in Fournette. Could easily see a touchdown or two in a game that we're all excited for here in week three. And the case in point for Ronald Jones is that in a game against Atlanta where the Bucs were up and they could have just pounded the rock, they really didn't do that. They did not just say, hey, we're just going to burn out the clock here. We're just going to hand it off to Rojo between the tackles, put Leonard Fournette in on third down. That is not what's happening here, folks. Leonard Fournette saw 11 carries in that blowout, whereas Ronald Jones only saw six. Still saw three targets for Rojo, so he is on the field. He's still going to have that 30 to 40% snap share every week, but not doing what Leonard Fournette is doing, not still getting the volume that Leonard Fournette is getting. But let's talk about one more. This should be a pretty quick one. Is Zach Moss a buy low? I think the answer no. Yeah, the answer is no. No. The answer is no. What, Come what? on. What, what are we doing? Let, let's talk about Zach Moss for a second because – I, I thought he was a little bit more interesting before the season, but the, the healthy scratch in week one just kind of threw me off. And then people are going to look at what he did here in week two with 14.4 fantasy points, but that's coming off of two touchdowns on eight carries. That type of touchdown per carry is just is not sustainable at all, especially for Zach Moss, who hasn't still really done anything or broken out in a big way. He's getting the high-value touches, but not getting them enough for him to be fantasy relevant or viable maybe in a deep league you put him on the back of your bench but not a guy I want to rush out there against the Washington football team in week three and not a guy that I'm really trying to to spend some of my draft capital that I invested in other players and transfer that over to Moss through trade yeah honestly if you have Moss I'd I'd be trying to sell him right now because you look at this game 
his two touchdowns came when the you know the Buffalo Bills were already up twenty-one to nothing. Singletary was the primary back. Moss did get those those touchdowns. He fell into the end zone, but he wasn't efficient. Didn't really impress me. And the fact that he was the healthy scratch in week one is concerning for how Buffalo views him as a player. So I think his upside is limited. His floor is zero. Uh, so to me, it, Zach Moss is a, a total fade. And his two touchdowns this week, all that did for me is prevent me from dropping him. And instead of dropping him, uh, I'd probably be willing to try to find a trade partner and just get anything I can. Honestly, I couldn't drop him after week two, though, because I would have dropped him after week one. So let's be honest. <laughs> Get bodied, Zach Moss. <laughs> oh gosh, don't do it to him, and don't don't go try to think you're sneaky and buy low on Singletary or anything either. Just fade that backfield. No. Just fade that backfield. Now, Alex, I know this is not on the show sheet, but I think the last 15 minutes here, we'll just we'll eyeball it, we'll freestyle it. Are you worried about the Titans' offensive line? Because even though Derrick Henry had the big game. He's Derrick Henry, and he had 35 carries in this game. Also saw six targets. It's like Derrick Henry can still definitely produce. But outside of a few big runs, the efficiency hasn't been great. It wasn't there in week one against Arizona. Now, of course, that's kind of a fallacy. Right? I'm saying we'll take away what makes him valuable, and he's not valuable. I, I understand that. But the injury now to Taylor Lewan in a in a warm-up before the game, is it's scary I don't know what his timetable is to return right now off the top of my head, but with some of the changes in these pieces in this Titans O-line, they're not looking quite as strong, and I think that's playing into some of Tannehill's woes as well. Yeah, the Titans are tough to project right now. I think the only thing we can say for certain is that Derrick Henry is absolutely matchup proof at this point when you're getting 40 touches in a game. I mean, you could run for three yards per carry and run for over 100 yards. But I think, if anything, I'm a little bit worried about the Titans as a whole. Uh, we've been talking about it all offseason. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, it's going to be this ping-pong situation back and forth between Julio and A.J. Brown and which one gives you the solid fantasy performance. This offense isn't necessarily built to support two elite fantasy football wide receivers. Now in places like Seattle and places like Minnesota, we've seen it done. So I certainly think there will be weeks where both are startable. But Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, to me are in the same tier until further notice. So I'm not going to you know, freak out about the offensive line. I think from a fantasy perspective, the offensive output has been fine thus far this season. Tannehill disappointing with no touchdowns in week two, even though he did have 40 attempts, 347 yards. So I think the touchdowns will come. Um, so to me, these Titans are still must-start territory. Derrick Henry's a must-start. Julio and A.J. Brown, you got to throw them in there. I think they're both starts every single week. You just got to hope it's their week. And then with Tannehill... He's still premium streamer to me. Not someone I'm going to lock in every single week if he's in a tough matchup, but I'm taking him over the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, you know, Baker Mayfield range at this point. So I'm not going to freak out about the line. Definitely concerning in some ways, but to me, I'm going to shake it off until we get a bigger sample size. On the flip side of Ryan Tannehill disappointing through two games, we have Mike Williams, who has now put up back-to-back 22-point outings, touchdowns the first two weeks. But what's the best part about Mike Williams, why you're super excited on hitting on him in your draft, especially in week three against Kansas City, I'm expecting big things from him in a high-flying matchup. Mike Williams has seen double-digit targets both in week one and week two. We're seeing almost a funneled volume situation between just Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. 
And it's fantastic for this offense with Eckler there being the number three. So Williams looks like he could be taking that step that we wanted him to take. He is putting up the touchdowns, right? We were saying, look, if he could have that double-digit touchdown season with the 1,000-yard season, he's on pace to do that right now. And it's really, really exciting if you drafted him in that 8th, ninth, maybe even 10th round. And he's a guy that you can flex every single week until further notice. Yeah, Mike Williams is giving us what we wanted. I mean, last year, Herbert came in. Williams was kind of in and out with injury. He had a couple really good games. But we've always said it with Mike Williams. If he can stay healthy, his upside is there. And typically, he's been this guy that's reliant on the touchdown, that's reliant on the big play or the couple of big plays, almost like a Michael Gallup type player. But I love what I've seen through him. I love what I've seen from Mike Williams through two weeks uh, because even if you know you take away the touchdowns, touchdowns aside, in week one, 12 targets, eight receptions, 82 yards. Week two, 10 targets, seven receptions for 91 yards. Like these are solid wide receiver games, even without the touchdown. So if Mike Williams starts to build himself a floor in fantasy football, and then we know he has that red zone prowess, that red zone upside to get those touchdowns, that big play upside. He's the perfect type of guy to plug into your lineup. So Williams was my start of the week in week two. Certainly worked out uh, in some lineups and some DFS and things like that. And if you haven't watched my start sit wide receiver video yet, I'll give you a little spoiler. Mike Williams is my back-to-back start of the week, and I'm going back to him in week three. Back to the Against well. Kansas City. So I'm in on Williams. Like He's not someone that's going to be on waivers for you. He's probably going to be tough to pick up in a trade right now. But if you have Williams on your roster or, or there is, you know, some trade talk, someone thinks they're selling high or anything like that. Williams is someone I want on my roster and someone I'm locking into my lineup with absolutely no hesitation. And look, he put up 22 points in week one, 22 points in week two. The last game of the 2020 fantasy season against Kansas City, who he plays in week three, 22.8 fantasy points. Seven targets, caught six of them for 108 yards and had that lucrative touchdown in there. So expect more of the same for Mike Williams. He's now on a three-game streak of 22 points per game. Let's talk about a rookie breakout. It, it's happening. I think I think we're seeing I know it. you're excited about this oh, one. Man. You can't stop the hype train. Guy from our hometown, a player that we've both loved as a prospect, was doing things we've never seen before from a college freshman, which is why we loved him coming into the draft. We talked about him all offseason, all dynasty season, and we loved him as a late-round flyer in redraft this year. And it is Rondell Moore, who, believe it or not, is leading the Arizona Cardinals in receptions and receiving yards. I know it's through two weeks, but... Man, could you believe Ronzo Moore starting the season ahead of DeAndre Hopkins as far as the receiving production on a very limited snap share, which gets me extremely excited. 46% of snaps, eight targets, caught seven of those. So very efficient for 114 yards and a touchdown. When Ronzo Moore has the ball in his hands, crazy things are going to happen. And the fact that Hopkins, the fact that Christian Kirk coming off a big game, AJ Green actually looking somewhat decent, And then Chase Edmonds, like there's a lot of options for these defenses to cover as well as Kyler Murray rushing the ball. Makes Ronda Moore super, super easy to find when he's has nobody around him and he's playing the flanker. He's on these jet sweeps. I'm so excited for Ronda Moore for the rest of this year and I'm plugging him in for sure against Jacksonville in week three. Yeah, I think we've only scratched the surface because to your point, and look, I got kind of lucky with Rondale Moore. He's someone we liked in Dynasty. Uh, all offseason in our deep 14-team home league we've been talking about a lot. 
I scooped up Rondell more late in the draft. I was like, look, I'll just stash him, see what happens in Arizona. And week one, he had a, a pretty solid game. I was like, okay, let's see if he can string together some more good performances. And in week two, he absolutely exploded. Did I see that coming in week two? Absolutely not. But his snap share went from 29% up to 46%. So we got on the field more. We saw the targets come. We saw the big play ability with that deep touchdown. And I've heard the rumors this week, like Kyler Murray apparently was sending Rondell more film to the scouting department and the coaches of the Arizona Cardinals to try to get this guy on the team. So as Rondell Moore gets ramped up as a rookie wide receiver, I think we're going to see him on the field more and more. We're going to continue to see him utilized in all facets of the game. One of the brilliant things about Moore is that you don't have to rely on, you know, eight targets a game. And in that game in week two, he had eight targets, had the big play, but Moore could see five, six targets uh, have really efficient targets, also get used on jet sweeps, get used on in the rounds, maybe see two or three carries in a game. He's the punt returner. He's the kick returner. The the home league I just mentioned I have Rondale in actually rewards punt return and kick return yards. It's like one point per 25 yards. So Rondale, someone on my roster, I'm plugging him in in week three against Jacksonville. I'm an absolute believer in this guy's talent. I think the sky is the limit as he continues to get on the field more and more for this Arizona Cardinals team. And to me, like he's the the clear number two. I'm not saying Christian Kirk is going to go away. I'm not saying AJ Green is going to go away. I think those two guys are still going to have their weeks. We saw it in week one. It was Christian Kirk. Like those guys are going to be involved. But Rondell Moore of kind of that second tier of wide receivers for the Arizona Cardinals has the highest floor because of how he's utilized the playmaking ability that he has um, and the love that Kyler Murray has for him. So Rondell Moore is someone I'm starting in week three, and I'm super excited about him for the rest of the season. By the time you're watching this, your waivers have probably already ran. Hopefully you snagged him for your bench or for your starting lineup here in week three. And if for some reason he's still sitting on the waiver wire, by all means, go pick him up. And one last hack I want to throw out there. I'm starting Rondell Moore in my flex, and I'm starting Cardinals defense and special teams in my defense slot. So technically, if Rondell Moore takes a punt or a kick to the house, I'm doubling up on those points. The ultimate defense <laughs> kick returner stack. I'm calling my shot now. I know the chances are super slim, but we'll see how long I roll with those two. And if that happens for me one time this year, you know you're going to be hearing about it from me. So Rondell Moore, man, I couldn't be more excited, Steph, about this guy's upside. I think at this point, I know Andy Isabella. He's coming back from the COVID list. Oh, I don't see him <laughs> getting anywhere. He's nothing. He's nothing for Rondell Moore at this point. If I'm AJ Green, I'm worried about Andy Isabella, maybe. So if you add the 35 Andy Isabella targets with the 72 vacated Larry Fitzgerald targets, we're looking at 100-plus targets in very realistic possibility for Rondell Moore. And with what he can do with the ball – He's he could creep into wide receiver two range in fantasy football as soon as this year, if everything goes his way. Alex, I want to keep this episode going because it's flowing right now. We're in peak football season. This is football nirvana. This is fantasy cloud nine that we're on at the moment. But I'm going to keep it up with you in the Discord channel. If you guys want to join the conversation with us, hit that link down below. It is free to join. I had folks hit me up today about the waivers saying, are we going to put out waiver episodes or podcasts this year? We just don't have the ability to do that right now. We're not doing this full time yet. Yet. (laughs) But 
if you want to get those start sit opinions, if you want to get those waiver opinions, hop in that Discord channel. Not only is it me and Alex, but also a community of over 170 users in there with like-minded fantasy individuals. You're going to get takes from both sides. It is fantastic having a blast in there, especially with the very intimate roster breakdowns in the live streams in that Discord channel. Join up today. And of course, a like and a sub on YouTube. Always, always appreciated. And we'll see y'all next time. Peace. Peace.